This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. You're listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik. Years ago, someone remarked to me that if, as a blind person, you don't read Braille, you're functionally illiterate. I was startled by this idea. I learned Braille when I was a teenager, and while I don't use it a lot, it appears in helpful snippets around my house, and I'm very glad to know it. But what is the status of Braille in Canada today? How relevant is it, and what is its future? Recently, I sat down with Diane Bergeron, Vice President of Engagement and International Affairs for CNIB, to talk about these questions. There's a public perception that all blind people read Braille. How true is that? It is not true by any means. Um, We don't have any current statistics at this point, and in fact CNIB is in the process of developing some research studies to determine exactly what the Braille literacy rate is in Canada. Um, but the last numbers that I had was something years ago came in, it was about 3%, but it has gone up over the last little while. We, we're, our hypothesis is it's gone up with the invention of um, electronic uh, systems, you know, the, the Braille displays, the refreshable Braille displays, and so on, making Braille more portable and easy to access. Are blind children routinely taught Braille? Not necessarily. It all depends on their level of sight, resources, um, and a lot of it depends also on their parents, whether their parents have decided that it's important they talk to the teacher. If it's a part of the um, process, if the parents demand it, it usually gets done, but it all depends on the school system and, and where they live as well. I assume that students at the School for the Blind uh, learn automatically. Yes. And so in a mainstream school, how would a a completely blind child function without Braille? They would use audio uh, systems. They would have DAWs or some system on their computer, and they would use audio. The problem with audio, of course, is that it doesn't allow you then to understand spelling. So... If you're only listening all the time, then your spelling doesn't get um, doesn't get honed, and you don't learn the 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 um, essentials within spelling. So you do a, we spell a lot of stuff phonetically then, as opposed to the correct way. You can check letter by letter if you really want to know how something's spelled, but of course, if you're reading Braille, you're you're getting that input constantly, whereas audio you're only getting the whole word as opposed to letter by letter. Do you know if teachers in the mainstream system are taking that into consideration and putting an extra emphasis on spelling more so than the sighted students get? You know, I'm not sure. I only have my own experience to go by. Um, Now, keeping in mind that it's been a long time since I went through um, the integrated setting. And back in those days, we weren't taught Braille in the school system, so I'm not really sure. What I can say is that there is a bigger emphasis on learning Braille now than there used to be. And that's one of the reasons, is the the literacy part with the, the spelling. And how about uh, adults who lose their sight? What, what is the engagement with Braille uh, from their perspective? 
Um, CNIB does provide um, instruction in Braille for anybody who wants to learn it as an adult. So that is available. Not everybody takes advantage of it. It all depends on the person, what they, uh, what they do, what they could use it for. A lot of people are now into technology and may not see the usage of it. It is something that does take practice and does take some time to learn. Um, so I think that some people don't feel that they need it, um, but it is definitely there. And, and there are a lot of adults that do pick it up, if for nothing else, just for what, I, what we call elevator braille, to be able to read the braille in the elevators and numbers and basics. And in general, why do you feel that braille is important? Oh, I, I really do believe in, in Braille. I think it's a great reference. I think the spelling piece is essential. So I think that if you can learn it as a child and you can have time to, to develop those skills and hone those skills when you're younger, it's a huge advantage with education and employment as you get older. I use Braille for things, reference materials, agendas, um, my cookbook is in Braille, I use a Braille display. So if I'm going through some some things I will use it. I know people that will read entire novels. I'm not fast enough to do that, but um, I think that the in the workplace and in education, it's enormously helpful to have Braille. Can you tell me about the program CNIB is running to encourage Braille literacy? Sure, so in the children's arena, of course, the Braille instruction is in the classroom. However, we do have the summer reading program that we put on. It's a reading contest and a writing contest as well. We have that uh, where students will write a story, poem, whatever they want to write, and they ha we have the contest for that. And then the Braille re reading program, we have Braille um, groups that meet to discuss Braille and to read Braille together around the country. We have our um, Braille conference that we put on every year where we bring people together, teachers, um, and people who read Braille clients and so on to come in and talk about Braille and we give them information on what's new and uh, in the Braille arena. Um, we also provide some funding to Braille Literacy Canada and we also have a, a group of volunteers in what we call the Braille Room and those folks transcribe, they're all transcribers, certified transcribers, and they transcribe things for people as volunteers. So if a client of ours, of CNIB, wants something brailled, so for example if you have a list of medications that you want brailled, you just have to send in the request to the braille room, they'll transcribe it, braille it, and send it back to you in the mail. That's fantastic. Yeah. Can so it be used for things like sending a birthday card to a blind friend? Absolutely. Oh, how nice. Absolutely. And what formats, can they get um, an electronic braille or is it, is, is it is it paper braille? How does it Either come way. to you? Either way. So if you want something transcribed, they will transcribe it, then it becomes an electronic um, file, and then you can have the choice. If you want the electronic file, they'll just email it back to you. If you want paper braille, they'll print it out and mail that to you. All depends on what you're, uh, what you're needing and what the request is. And what's the length restriction for something like that? I assume you can't send them a novel or something. No, we wouldn't do a whole novel. Um, we do have certain restrictions around it. You know, because it's run by volunteers and we, um, we have some restrictions around time, it all depends on what's available. If you want something quickly and it's small and, you know, easy, a couple of pages, you get it pretty quick.
How would someone uh, engage with that uh, service if they wanted it? They could contact CNIB and we would put them just ask to speak. They would call our Toronto office and ask to speak to someone in the Braille room and that would go directly through to them. You know, CNIB is, we are also um, involved in the Braille Authority of North America, so we sit on that. So we do a lot of stuff in the space of Braille transcription and, and one of the things that I'm very, very excited about that our Braille volunteers do is we transcribe books, so we don't actually print them, but we transcribe them, the electronic file, for schools in Africa and the Caribbean. Oh. So these are for, because uh, our transcribers need to transcribe in order to keep their um, skills up. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, shorter books for kids in those countries, because like, for example, in Africa, less than 1% of all published works in Africa are available in an alternate format and less than 10% of blind kids in Africa get a formal education. Oh so they're trying to do their bit to volunteer and help those kids. So um, they're sending hard more. copies? Uh, no, they typically send the electronic file and they get brailled there. Depends again on the school. One of the things we find, especially in some developing countries, is that if we send the hard copy, it disappears in the mail somewhere along oh, the way, or yeah. some shows yeah. up and some doesn't. So we try to send the electronic file, and then they arrange for somebody to get an embosser there. Oh, wonderful. Can you comment on the Orbit Braille Reader? Sure, so the Orbit, um, the Orbit Braille Reader is actually a project I've been working on, and it is being developed through Orbit Research. It is a um, group of 10 organizations from around the world, including CNIB, wanted to develop a refreshable Braille display that would retail for a fraction of the cost. And just to put a little bit of a frame around it, the initial intent of the Orbit Braille Reader was not just for he us here in Canada. It was originally intended for uh, children in developing countries and people in developing countries to be able to, because there's no way they can afford um, a three to $5,000 Braille display. Right. So this was an, trying to get an opportunity to put it in, in the hands of people who wouldn't normally have opportunities. And so um, that was the intent. We, we all invested. The machine was developed. Um, we do have the Orbit Braille Reader. Um, the, the different organizations that were involved, including CNIB, had an opportunity to provide input and test, some, test the, the demo models. Um, my great contribution to the idea pool was that it must fit in my purse. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, originally as a joke, but in fact... I and does it? It does. it does. We actually took the model of it and put it in my purse <laughs> to make sure it would fit. Um, and, but the, the original thought was because if you're going to be walking around, if you want to read on the bus, you don't want something that you got to carry that's going to be too heavy or mm -hmm. too big, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and so it's probably the size of like a book, like a paperback book. Mm -hmm. It's about that size. Oh. It's about um, six and a half by four and a half by one and a half. Inches. Inches. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's 16 ounces, there's, thereabouts. Um, the, the issues we're having right now is around the pin sticking. We're trying really hard to resolve that issue. Um, one of the things that we've, we were hoping, of course, that this would come out much sooner, but um, 
one of the things that we've said as a collective is we want to make sure that before these go out into our clients' hands in Canada especially, um, is that the, the issues that the machine is having, that the orbit is having, needs to be resolved before we send it. We don't want to be sending it out and having problems. Mm -hmm. So once we get all of the, um, once the testing says that they're fixed and that there's no issues, the motors are working, there's no sticky pins, then we will start the, uh, the process of selling them in Canada. And do you have uh, an estimated retail price for that? Um, we have currently a retail price of four ninety nine. Okay. Um, we have no intentions, and and it was one of our sort of um, agreements going into this research was that the retail price for us was going to match the cost of the device. We're making no money off of this. Oh, because that's extremely low for a braille display. Yes. Extremely low. But that was the reason we did it. The, mm -hmm. We weren't in this for the money. In fact, the, the amount that we're asking is only the price to us for the machine and to, and to get it packaged and so on and then get it out to you. There is no markup on this item at all, including our initial investment. We, that investment was made and that's it. We're not making that back. Oh, okay. um, that's why we're keeping the price low because it was intended to be that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it'll be about four ninety nine, um, and then um, once it gets sent out, I mean, this, I think of kids, right? I've said to people, we want to increase the the braille usage and the ability to learn braille. Who's got five thousand dollars for a braille display to give to a kid in grade two? Who's going to put that in there? you know, their backpack right next to their peanut butter and jam sandwich, <laughs> right? Or they're gonna, yeah. it's going to fall out of their backpack in mm -hmm. the snow on the way home. Yeah. But $500, there's much more chance that child has an opportunity to learn. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, it's, it's not perfect yet, but that's how research works, right? You invest, you do your best, and you try to come up with something, and hopefully this will come up with something that is going to be able to benefit our children, people in Canada, but also... Um, equally important as people in developing countries who currently don't have any access to this kind of thing. And uh, where can people be watching for announcements about when that might be available? We will make the announcements um, through, we will we'll send out a, a, an email. Okay. They will, it will be on the website. I'm sure we will be tweeting all over the place about it. Okay. Um, anybody who, was in, who had indicated an interest in the past will receive an email. For more information about CNIB programs and resources, visit www.cnib.ca. You've been listening to Blind Wide Open with host Christine Malik. This was a CNIB Foundation podcast.